0: Fact about my guest today. He won the Jimmy Awards, which is this incredible national theater competition of teens who compete to win the Jimmy Award. And shortly thereafter, he auditions for Dear Evan Hansen and he gets the job and stars on Broadway at only 16 years of age in this extraordinary part. And he crushes it and his entire life story. Is so unique and this young man is so gifted and I am so honored to have Andrew Barth Feldman on the podcast. A-okay. A-okay. Hi Andrew Barth Feldman, Hello. welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I'm so happy to be here.
0: I am so excited for the one person on the planet who may not know, Andrew Barth Feldman was the star of Dear Evan Hansen, a role that came to him after he was seen winning the Jimmy Awards, which is like a national teenage theater competition, Yeah, where really to be nominated is an honor. You won. And you also won that year with Renee Rapp, who has also gone on to do great things on the Broadway. Congratulations to you both.
1: Thank you so much. On behalf of her as well, thank you very much.
0: Renee says you're welcome, too. <laughs> um, Andrew, I think we met before, and I want to know if you remember where that was.
1: It was at con, right? It was that, <laughs> oh my God, what a crazy so thing. Crazy.
0: Yes. Um, <laughs> So, so I was interviewing uh, Joe Iconis mm-hmm. and Jennifer Ashley Tepper at Broadway Con. I think we've done many Broadway Cons, but I think it was 2018. I've
1: been at every single one, so I have no. I think it it must have been 2018. Yeah, yeah.
0: And you walked up to the the my recording booth area, and I feel like you took our picture for us
1: i I believe i did that's right yes i did take i remember like telling my friends about it like oh my god but you
0: knew joe iconis
1: i did i did i am yeah i so i am closer with his brother phil who's directed me in a lot of youth theater shows out on long island so i met joe through that whole situation
0: well what's so funny is just recently phil iconis your director reached out to me because his uh classes production of You're a Good Man, Charlie Brown, which I had done oh my uh, many years ago, couldn't happen because of the pandemic. And so he asked if I could, you know, do a shout out to this beautiful group of young people who, like so many, have not been able to do their school shows in 2020. And so... It's full circle to Phil Iconis. That's Mm -hmm. really the point. All roads lead to Phil Iconis. (laughs) What a generous, beautiful soul. Incredible
1: person and director. He's so, so great at what he does. So he came and directed some shows at a theater company I did a lot of work with called Plaza Theatrical Productions. And so we did Rent together and we did The Who's Tommy together. Oh my God. Really, really fun. Yeah
0: those are bucket list shows I know
1: I got very lucky that so that's that year I think was right I guess it must have been right after we'd done rent and you're thinking like surely I played Mark or something I was Roger and it feels like a mistake uh, mm-hmm. and I think it was but we had a great time.
0: Your story is um, is really one that Broadway dreams are made of so if you could kind of take us through, sort of the the beginning of how you fell in love with Broadway and then how you end up being at this awards competition and now all of it like it's such an incredible story and I don't want to tell it because it's yours
1: (laughs) it's I mean it's completely bizarre it's 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 crazy that to me whenever I tell it that oh that's still true you know like I'm Mm -hmm. still telling the story and it's Still holds true because it's yep, the thing that still
0: happened. happened. Still you, <laughs>
1: um, I so yes, I, I I pinned my love for theater and like where it all started down to three things. The first thing is that when I was six months old, I went to Disney World for the first time, and I like because it's just a thing my family did every year. And I have an older sister, and they promised her that nothing would change. So even
0: the birth of her brother,
1: even the birth, the birth, yeah, exactly. It was that when I was born, nothing would change. So they had tickets to see Mister Deeds like a week after I was born, and I went to the the theater to see Adam Sandler's Mr. Deeds. That's the first movie I ever saw. Um, but so we went to Hilarious. we went to Disney World. When I was six months old and then we went every year and I became enveloped in that kind of world and that kind of like immersion. Um, and then yeah. when I was three years old, my mom took me to see Beauty and the Beast on Broadway. And I was like, first of all, terrified by the set and the beast and everything because I was three years old. But yeah. also I was, I kind of understood on obviously a very subconscious level that this is another way to get there this is another route to getting to Disney world or to feeling that feeling of escapism. And then when I was, I think four years old, high school musical came out and I just desperately wanted to be Zach Efron in that movie. And so when I found out when I was eight years old, that you can just go do theater. And I did a production of Annie, terrible, horrible production of Annie. It was so beyond awful. And I played Mr. Bundles at eight years old. Um, I was like, okay, this is now I've, I had already caught the bug and now I got to use it. So I did theater all over the place on Long Island and the general tri-state area for years. I would do like five shows at a time. I would be working on different shows in different places. Um, And so then cutting forward to my sophomore year in high school, we did Catch Me If You Can at my school and I played Frank Jr. And uh, it was like the hardest I've ever worked for a role up until that point. And um, I mentioned, I was the one who mentioned the Jimmys to my teacher. She hadn't heard of it. Right. I, I was like, hey, uh, there's this thing called the Roger Reese Award. And if you win that, you go to the Jimmy Awards. It, I think it would just be a cool thing to, to sort of submit us for that. And, you know, these are the people who are eligible and that kind of thing. And she is the best ever. Her name's Tasha Parti, She's incredible. Um, and so she, she submitted us, but she like submitted us late. And so she was on the phone all the time. Like, can we send in a video freaking out? Um, but she got it done. We were submitted and I was nominated and then I won that. And then I was nominated for the Jimmy awards. And then somehow I managed to win that. And Stacy Mindich, the producer of Dear Evan Hansen, as well as Tara Rubin, the casting director of Dear Evan Hansen were in the audience that night. And legend has it that Stacy um, texted Tara and said, we need to get him in the room immediately. That's, that's could be our next guy. And, um, I think like it was two weeks after that, that I was auditioning for, for Dear Evan Hansen. It was my first, audition for a Broadway show that I that I never had
0: okay well thank you so much for coming on the show today (laughs) (laughs) this is amazing okay a couple of questions yes when you are doing catch me if you can when your amazing teacher Tasha Mm -hmm. um gets gets the paperwork in order and it all goes through does that work by someone from the Jimmy Awards coming to actually see the production or Super is a question. video? Yeah. Like how does that even work? So
1: the way it's supposed to work, we, we did have to submit a video, but the way it's supposed to work that you, the teacher who are submitting are supposed to assemble adjudicators and that's anyone with a theater degree. Um, so anyone with a theater degree comes to see the show and there's some kind of scoring system that I've never seen before. Right. But where they score um, your performance. And then all these scores are submitted, and uh, the top, I think, 50 kids in the New York greater metropolitan area uh, get nominated for the Roger Reese Awards. And then there are 12 finalists and two winners, and the two winners get to go to the Jimmy Awards.
0: Okay, so to get to be a finalist to go and participate in the Jimmy Awards, what do you have to do 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 they keep looking at your same video or do you have to audition?
1: Yeah, that's, that's so, so with the Roger Reese, this is different for every regional um, award for the Roger Reese award. When I did it, it's actually a little bit different now. When I did it, it was one day in Pearl studios where um, all 50 kids go and you have, uh, there's like an opening number that you do. And then there's a one-on-one coaching session where it's like, I guess it's not one-on-one because there's like 12 of you or however many with some famous Broadway professional. So I had Robin Lewis was our coach and he was incredible. Um, and he just coaches you on the song that they've chosen from your show. So the Roger Reese awards will pick a song from your show that you're going to sing. Um, and then in those coaching sessions, you get scored again and the top 12 scores go on to be finalists and then you perform your song for the panel of judges which was like celia keenan bolger and frank DeLella was one of it was it was rick ellis who was could not have been kinder and more generous um yeah it was it, it was amazing now i think it's over two days and their costumes and stuff but it's not that much crazier but they do it on like a real stage as opposed to in pearl studios um, and all the other things. And that is just
0: to get to the Jimmy Awards themselves.
1: That's right. That is just to get to the Jimmy Awards. (laughs) Okay.
0: So was that your first experience with a, a sort of pressure cooker audition situation beyond your community?
1: Um, I, I had auditioned, so I had had, um, an agent already, and that's something that actually I'd gotten from Rent because, um, Phil, the our choreographer, Chris Brick, who's Phil's like right-hand man, uh, happened to be very close with this agent who is now my agent and sent her a video of me singing Once on Glory. And uh, I had an agent from that, which was like, I was so fortunate to have that. So I had had a couple of auditions for like bit, like horror movies or, okay. or like I auditioned for one, I think, out of town tryout or something. Um, just little things here and there but never uh, anything super duper serious like this. So yeah, this was my first pressure cooker, like theater where we're all here sitting in this room waiting and and, and that sort of thing, audition.
0: Because when I watched the Jimmy Awards, A, completely blown away by the level of talent. And obviously when you say like all these people could on be on Broadway, many do end up on Broadway. Mm-hmm. Um, but it felt so intense, like reality show <laughs> intense, like American Idol intense in ways that I just sat there freaking out inside, worrying for all these young people, how are they going to get through this? Also seeing the incredible fun and passion and kind of support everyone is for each other.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, but I, I really do want to deep dive into that just for a second, because it, it was very intense,
1: Sure. Yeah. I, I, um, Does it
0: feel that way or is it just fun and no one's really freaking out? It's
1: it, it, everyone's freaking out. Definitely. It's, <laughs> it's, it's definitely intense in that way that everyone is freaking out. I am a very competitive person when it comes to like fun and games. Like if you're playing mini golf with me, I, I have to kick your butter. I won't be able to sleep that night. But right. when it comes to like real life things and, and like theater and that kind of thing, I'm really, really not. And so for I can only speak for me personally that I was going there and I was like, I am just going to have a good time and learn. And I want to be a better performer after this than I was when I started. Um, and that was, I, I feel definitely that I was, and I learned so much from that. Um, so I never felt like I could win or that I was going to win or that I wanted to win. Um, I was just kind of there to, to learn, but that being said, it's still boot camp. So you're working 14 hours a day. Um, on like your opening number and your medley and you're being coached by these amazing Broadway stars. Um, Mm -hmm. so it, yeah, it's, it's intense. I didn't sleep the whole week. I woke up at 3am most days. I, I, I was like so on edge, but in the best, like, we're going to get stuff done today way. It was magical.
0: And when did you realize, like, I'm actually crushing the (laughs) Jimmy awards.
1: Um, it's funny. I, I never really did, but, I think people were so generous and, and kind to me when, when I did my Betsy performance and stuff like that, because you have to perform for the judges and do like practice performances in front of everyone that week as well. So a lot of people would see me do Betsy a number of times that week. Um, But so people would be like, yeah, you're going to win or something or, or not, not the nominees because everyone was sort of on their own thing, but also being very supportive of each other, but nobody would ever say to anyone you're going to win. Right. But, um, I remember calling my mom the night before and something that she did a lot and something that she did then was she was like, just like, don't get your expectations up. You're not going to be a finalist. You're not going to win. You came here to have a great time, which is something I value so much. But I was like, I kind of feel like I might have a shot at being a finalist. Now If there's, there's a slot that I'm not sure who's going to fill it. And I think there's a chance that it's me. Um, and then it was all kind of thrown out the window uh, when, when those finalists were chosen. So um and, and and it was me uh and and I remember I got off stage and some some other nominee one the finalists were chosen said to me you just won mm-hmm. you just won this thing and and a couple people were echoing that so that was kind of when i I don't know i I knew I was gonna hear my name when the finalists were being called some mm-hmm. something in me knew that that was going to happen mm-hmm. so I it was never, going well yeah I never admitted that to myself but i i something in me knew that that I was going to be a finalist.
0: The song um, I love, is it Betsy or I Love Betsy?
1: Yeah, I Love Betsy, yeah.
0: Is that something you chose for yourself or did they give you that song?
1: So my voice teacher, uh, James Donegan, actually chose it for me. He was like, this is this is you. This is more along your lines. But you bring um, two songs to the Jimmy. So you pick two songs you can bring. Uh, my other song was Larger Than Life for my favorite year, naturally and mm-hmm. uh, i brought both of those songs and then my coach adam Cantor, who is beyond a genius uh have he they have you perform both songs for your coach and then the coach will encourage you to do one or the other or he'll be like whichever one fits you and he was like you have to do i love Betsy, you have to do it and i remember i was like i there's an, i don't have a shot at winning if i don't sing a ballad i felt like i was like there's no win. way i'm gonna win so i i cornered him after and I was like are you sure like I can pick another song I can bring another song if you don't like larger than life and he was like I you have to do Betsy and I'm not changing my mind on that um thank god thank
0: thank you Adam Cantor
1: I I gotta thank him for a lot of things
0: yes every everything you win from now on every award you gotta thank Adam it's just it's just fair
1: that's a great point it's
0: just fair Thank you, Adam. Well, we're doing it now. This could actually be the way you you no longer have to worry about it. There we it go. This is,
1: this, yeah, this is holding this is it the off moment. for everything. Yeah, that's exactly.
0: great. <laughs> Um. So when you did your final performance, is your family at the Jimmy Awards?
1: Yeah, yeah. My whole family was there and they always say now, nah, we would have gotten better seats if we knew you were going to win. But they they, <laughs> they were there um, and they were so encouraging. And, and my teacher, Miss Partee, and a lot of friends. It was the first year they live streamed it also. So I had so mm-hmm. many I have videos of so many friends watching me win from home, which is just amazing. That's
0: incredible. I'm, I'm only talking about this for as long as I am, people listening to this podcast, because they're like the Tonys. <laughs> they're like, like you go, whether you watch at home or you go, I kept saying, you know, this is the production values the level of talent the the way the audience is just made up of all people who love theater more than life itself the um the judges who are who are sitting there um intensely mm-hmm. but also like beaming up at you guys as they've been through the process with you it's just a really incredible event and it was so new to me um and it was just really extraordinary and then you win and you've told us that suddenly you know texts are being uh you know dms are happening we got to get this kid in which yeah. again the dream and then you have to go in and you have to audition now i can imagine because you're a human on planet earth that you had <laughs> seen dear evan hansen maybe even more than once I've i don't seen know three times yeah there you go not <laughs> just because because it's amazing it's incredible yeah. um and and so you had to be unbelievably familiar with the material. Oh yeah! But when you went in, who did you did you audition for? Tara Rubin, like who did you audition so for the very first time?
1: It was Michael Greif, Benj Pasick, Justin Paul, Steven Levinson, Alex Lackamore, Stacy Mendich, Tara Rubin. The whole I was looking at a wall of icons. It was it was beyond bananas. Anything I'd ever ba- imagined.
0: Nanos. And so
1: many of my friends for also from the Jimmys or from Jimmys years past who had been through the ringer at Dear Evan Hansen, I told them, I was like, yeah, oh my God, this is who's going to be there. And they were like, this is a callback. that This right. this was like my 10th callback. Right. Um, it was my first <laughs> Because let's honest... just
0: imagine what it is to get all those people available at the same time on any day. Yeah, it was it right? was
1: almost impossible. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so it was it, they're, they were so kind and I think I I think the reason I got the role was because I I walked into the room, and I said hi, and <laughs> Michael Graves was like, H- "Hello, Andrew. Would you like to sing some waving through a window for us?" And I said, "Yes, uh, thank you very much." And everyone laughed, and I said, "I'm just excited to be here." And I think that was when uh, they they had a feeling I I was right yes. for the, the gig.
0: And, and let me ask you now, you know, sort of the story of, of Barbara Streisand and she's auditioning and she takes the gum out and puts it on the bottom of her chair and then she starts to sing and then she starts to leave and then she goes and we find out when everyone looks, there is no gum on the bottom of the chair, right? Oh, that's, that's those, amazing. Right? <laughs> so it's like this whole character thing she did and it was all, were those first moments of enthusiasm and, and croaky throat sounds. Yeah organic or were you?
1: Oh, totally.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So you really were.
1: (laughs) I was freaking out. There was gum
0: in your mouth for sure. Yeah. (laughs) I was,
1: I was losing my mind. I was so nervous. Um, Right. I never do this. Usually, usually, because my mom obviously always took me to auditions. I was know 16 years old a child yeah and uh and so she took me to the audition and I she'd always be like if you want me to go somewhere else you tell me and I'd always be like no it's fine you can you can be sitting here this was the mm-hmm. first time ever that I was like can you is it okay if I just like sit here by myself and
0: right. think
1: about the weight of this because right everyone had, could happen yeah everyone had always told me that I was that I was like meant to play this part um and so sitting there and and getting ready to prove that I could or, or pray that I could was, was bizarre. And I'll never, ever forget that.
0: So is Mr. Lackamore at the piano? Uh,
1: or is no, he no, watching. he was watching and he, he was giving the most uh, notes, which was really, really valuable. Cause that, that, okay. that's his whole job. It's, I was shocked by how hands-on Alex Lackamore was hmm. in the rehearsal room. Um, because he's a legend you think you know his, his work speaks for itself but every right. single time we were in a recording studio for anything he was there and and we would do it a million times because he wow. it perfect. He's,
0: and was that true at your audition
1: uh i didn't do it a million times but but when there were notes they, they were coming from him and they were in terms of the the songs anyway and, right and they were very 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 valuable
0: so Michael Greif and Alex sort of ran the the, the process of the audition in terms of yeah. what they needed to see.
1: Exactly, yeah.
0: And you do a scene from the show? Oh, essay? I did a lot
1: of scenes. So so this was the other part of this that I always forget is that uh, I, my, my good friend Alex Badiello, who was playing Connor, theorizes that this was so that they didn't freak me out. I was auditioning for The Male Swing. So I was auditioning for Evan, Jared, and Connor. Um, So I had to learn pretty much the entire show, uh, which was fine. So there were like a bunch of Evan scenes, a good handful of Jared scenes, I think one or two Connor scenes. And then I think like three or four songs for Evan, a song for Jared and a song for Connor. So I had a work session earlier in the day with an associate director, an associate music director, um, and they walked me through all of that. And then in in the actual audition room, I think I did two or three of the Evan songs, two or three of the Evan scenes. Michael Greif said... We're going to have you do some Jared stuff, but I want you to know that we're going to cherish the Evan material that you've just performed for us, mm-hmm. which was crazy to hear. Mm-hmm. I did one Jared scene and then they sent me out of the room.
0: Were you the only one auditioning that day?
1: Uh no, there there were there were a lot of people that I think had made it. I guess made it pretty far. I know a couple of them actually got cast uh, on the tour. So,
0: wow. Yeah. So, do you feel like you were breathing during that no. Time? No. no so this was all. all done on with no breath also. <laughs> Completely.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I didn't, I mean, I also didn't really know how to sing yet is the funny part of all of this. Mm-hmm. It, what, what I, what I'm, I'm so not impressed, but so thankful for with the Dear Evan Hansen team is that I don't think I sang the material that well. I certainly didn't cry in the room. It wasn't something I knew how to do yet. And mm-hmm. they still cast me from that audition, knowing that it was going to be a real uphill climb for me, but, but they saw that you know the way Benj uh, Passick tells the story is we were looking for an Evan and you came in and you were an Evan, mm-hmm. and and that was sort of that was sort of it that that they knew that I sort of was this character that we could figure the rest out.
0: And then the work, and then the great work oh, began. Yeah. Oh right? yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, are you talk about boot camp from from when you do you find out that day?
1: I found out I think three days later. Uh-huh. Uh, I, I didn't get a phone call cause I was in rehearsal for another show, um, for a youth theater show at Broadway workshop in the city. And my mom was going to call me cause she got a call from my agent, but she wanted to wait till I was out of rehearsal. So I didn't have to like keep it a secret in rehearsal.
0: Right. Um,
1: but then when I got in the car, she had a legal pad with a list of all the things that I needed to know that I was replacing Taylor Trench on January blank and uh, I was going to have my own dressing room and literally every single detail was on a legal pad in the car. Um, right. So, but yeah, that's when I found out. And then I started voice lessons with Liz Kaplan um, pretty, a few months after that, maybe a month. So when
0: was that audition? You started in January of yes. 2019. So when, when did you get the job?
1: Um, that audition, I think was in July of that okay. year. And okay, they weren't going to announce it until January 1st of 2019, and I had signed an NDA. so I really wasn't <laughs> telling anyone for that. How do you do I that? Know. How yeah. do you do that? It was impossible. <laughs> um,
0: but everybody knew a lot of-
1: It started it started getting out. Um, it started getting uh-huh. out, so they moved up the announcement to November. Thank God. I don't know what yes. I would have done. Yes, um, had it had it been in January. but um yeah, so so I was keeping it a secret. For a very very long time, which was great practice for the role to lie to everyone.
0: Exactly, <laughs> exactly. And so during that time, it's Taylor. Did you take over? Wait, who you took over from Taylor? Trench. I took over from
1: Taylor. Yeah.
0: Okay, and so that's and you would watch the show. I imagine I a fair would. amount also.
1: Quite a bit. I think I I've now seen it probably somewhere around. Fifteen times, probably, mm-hmm. which is reasonable. Um, yeah, I watched Taylor. I watched Michael Lee Brown, uh, the alternate, because I wanted to get as many different Evans in my brain as possible, so I wasn't copying anyone. And um, right, I stopped listening to the cast recording as pretty much as soon as I found out, which was very difficult because it was a lifeline. I, right. I love the show so much, um, right. and yeah, any understudies I would I would try to watch, and I never um, trailed anyone, which was weird that I never did that. I don't know why that's I did. That's just do that.
0: not how they do it there. They do.
1: That's the thing they do. I don't know why I never did it. I think uh I think we all just kind of
0: Andrew, forgot. you were supposed to sign up and you didn't.
1: <laughs> well, <laughs> you forgot. It went fine anyway, so yes, it's okay. Yeah.
0: You knew you're blocking. You knew where to enter I and did. exit from. I
1: and did. you got to do it. I did get to do it.
0: You got to do it. And so how did you um I mean, Liz Kaplan, who's been on this podcast and who is vocal whisperer to the stars and and mere mortals as well. Mm -hmm. um, You know, she has so many things that she offers up besides technique in terms of how to eat and how to live a life. Do Mm -hmm. you feel like you took on all of those things or many different things oh, just yeah. beyond which vocal exercises. So what were the major changes in your life that you made to be able to sustain vocally and physically that show?
1: Um, yeah, my diet was probably the biggest one. Uh, by the end I had figured out what worked like by probably six or seven months in and I was eating mm-hmm. the same thing every day. So I, mm-hmm. I ate um, for lunch, I would have an uh, avocado mango, and so, uh, shrimp rolls, sushi rolls for lunch mm-hmm. every single day. And mm-hmm. I would have as much of it as possible because I needed energy.
0: Right. Um,
1: and for dinner, I would have an avocado and roast beef sandwich. Um, and that, that was- That is
0: so specific.
1: Yep. And that was every Avoc- single day.
0: So avocado roast beef. And how did, yeah. what would you have that on?
1: Uh, whatever bread came, whatever bread- it Didn't matter. Yeah. Yeah. That was okay. But, but, um- preferably not anything super like it, it, pretty much it was no dairy. I didn't have any dairy except on Sundays I would sneak a slice of cheesecake every, every week. And that was condoned by Liz Kaplan. So that's okay. Um, okay. and, um, and, uh, yeah, a lot of avocado stuff because avocado is the like least acidic thing you can have that gives you the most energy. Um, so I would just eat an avocado straight sometimes I would just have an avocado in the fridge and eat it with a spoon. Um, and then like dark chocolate was good. Um, just and all sorts of stuff I was putting up my nose uh like sprays and oils and such to clear things up and, and then of course there were you know the the many many exercises that I would do before um and then of course I wasn't talking I was a monk I I was in school because I was being tutored uh but I wouldn't talk in school which was fine I but uh it was it was a lot to not really I can't really say I wasn't able to socialize because we we were such a family at the theater that that I mm-hmm. really was and both right. people are my best friends. Um but yeah, it's it, it was a it was a completely different life for a year.
0: And who was the cast that you joined when you began in January of 2019?
1: So of the original cast uh, of the onstage cast, Michael Park and Jennifer Laura Thompson were still there, which was such a gift to feel um, that connection still, but yes. we were still in this era of the show. Um, yes. That was really special. Sky Lakota Lynch was playing Jared, who is so beyond genius. Um Mallory Bechtel was playing Zoe, which I was also very lucky because she's a teenager too. She was a teenager mm-hmm. at least at the time, so um, so we got to sort of share that, and and that was really special. Um, Lisa Brescia was playing Heidi, and my God, that was one of the most brilliant performances I've ever been able to see in my life. Um, she it was incredible, and and is such a huge part of my life. Wow. Um, yeah, who am I forgetting? Oh, uh, and Phoenix Best was playing playing Alana. And then the understudies, there were a couple of understudies from the, from the original cast, Michael Lee Brown, Asa Summers, and then a lot of uh,
0: newer Right. Ones. And and did you, um, did the did the Zoe and Evan remain, were you the same the whole time? Uh, we did weren't. She so she stayed. So okay. she
1: left, her year ended halfway through my year. So she left six months in, she's replaced by Gabrielle Caruba. Who okay. is my best friend in the whole world and is wow. an absolute genius powerhouse. So Wow. Um, yeah. So
0: on every level, this cast became everything that you could dream of.
1: Exactly. Yeah. It was beyond. It was it was such a special, special environment. And everyone was so supportive of me and, and I was the little engine that could. They were so encouraging and wonderful.
0: Wow. Um, I saw that when you had your bar mitzvah when you were 13, (laughs) just a few years before you took on this role, um, that you did a big project for autism awareness. I did, yeah. Now, how did you choose that specific uh, focus? And can you talk a little bit about
1: that? Yeah, absolutely. This is my very favorite thing to talk about. Um, My my brother, Scott, he's actually my cousin, but my two cousins, we were all raised together. So I, they're essentially brothers. My brother, Scott is on the autism spectrum. Um, he's high functioning in some ways, but, but not really in some others. Uh, and so it was just the right, it just made sense. There was, there was mm-hmm. really nothing else I wanted to, that's not true. There are lots of things I want to advocate for, but, but that was kind of the it thing. It made
0: that, so much sense it just at made the some time. Sense.
1: Yeah. And I was, you know, thinking about my bar mitzvah project and, uh, I was like, what would I be doing if this wasn't theater related. So so I started uh, as an Eve Rock Productions, my theater company that is still active today. We're still working on on some really cool stuff for whenever quarantine is over.
0: Right. And so, when you say raised together, not literally in the same house, but just two families that are unbelievably bonded, or yeah. in the same house,
1: uh, we, around the corner, so so as close to being the same house without tearing each other's hair out as you can as you can imagine. But yeah, we were, you know, my mom and and their mom were inseparable from their parents, and so we we all just were were one big family. My uh, yes. my, aunt, my uncle and my cousins.
0: So did you grow up in the same neighborhood that your mom was raised in?
1: Um, mm, yes. Yes. Very close. I'm th- I had to think about that for a second. Yes. Very, because very close. Because she
0: grew up on Long Island.
1: She did. She grew up in uh, Lawrence, which is which is like two neighborhoods away from from where we are. So yes. Yes.
0: And so your parents, and you said you have an older sister, were all of you as a family... Equally obsessed with theater, or were you the outlier in this fam?
1: Um, I was. I was definitely the outlier. I think if if my mom had known what bringing me to the theater would would wreak, she would not have done it. She 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 was not. Uh, she we called her the anti stage mom, so she did not <laughs> want me to do this at all. Which was, I think, such a gift because if I was forced to do this and and you know primped and preened by by a parent about all this stuff, I think I would have been a jerk. Um, but, but
0: obviously so, she was incredibly supportive,
1: incredibly supportive. I think, I think once the jimmies happened, she was kind of like, okay, I, there's no stopping you here and, and you're good at this. And I didn't realize you were good at this because I've been watching you do it for years. So I knew you, right. I knew I liked you, but I didn't realize that you were actually really good at this. So there's no stopping you. But um, they, it's, I think theater was just a cultural thing for them that they, that they took me to and, and, then it it became a complete disaster because I fell in love with it.
0: Well, that's one way to describe it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is <laughs> one a complete disaster, or it could not have gone better. That is um, another way
1: to put it as well. Yeah.
0: So you did it for a year. Yes. And you lived you lived the kind of life you're describing, which was sort of cut off from life as you knew it before. Mm-hmm. Um you know sort of shot to the moon but you loved all the people in the rocket ship with you
1: yes exactly yeah
0: um and you were so embraced by people who went to see the show the the theater community your immediate presence was so effervescent and generous (laughs) and fun thank you Um, very much Absolutely. From, you know, you described how much you love to play games to the way you brought games, you know, virtually to yeah. everyone during this quarantine, your constant desire to figure out to, to, how to raise money for things that you care about because you're such a good person. Um,
1: this is very nice.
0: It's true. <laughs> and, and of course, all of the stage door Young people who got to connect yeah. with you and and either share hard things going on in their life or see fully realize their dream, yeah, and that that this thing that seems so impossible um you were the first Evan to be in a show about high school while you were in high school. Yeah, Many that's of great. the people in that cast or almost all of them were in their twenties when they were playing those characters mm-hmm. and so. You know, we talk a lot about that sort of Ben and I talked a lot about the you know the value of sort of acting something with perspective, mm-hmm. um, and the value of acting something while you're living it at the same time. Yeah, and I wonder even in the year that you did it, did you turn seventeen while you were doing the show?
1: I did, I did. So I was younger than Evan when I started, and then I right. Grew up his age so like
0: you himself. grew into
1: it. I did. Yeah, v- very, <laughs> very, very much so.
0: What changed for you um, from the beginning? Aside from I can imagine you're feeling in control of the beast that is mm-hmm. the role of Evan Hansen. Um, what what changed for you as you as you arced with the show?
1: I mean, m- more than I could possibly even know, I think. Uh, mm-hmm. So my one bootleg that of me in the show on the internet is for my first month as Evan which I will never stop being mad about ever Uh, Mm -hmm. because I found him so far, not far into my process, but it took me time, which Mm -hmm. of course it did. But, you know, there was no world where I was there on the first day and got it immediately. Um, Yeah. I think when I started, it was completely different every night and then it started to become really consistent. Um, I think I figured out how to cry. So that was one thing that I was then able. Is there to do a? Right? Is
0: there a? Was there a pressure to do that? Did people no. want you to do that? The
1: the audiences, I think. So, sometimes I would see things on social media because I was very bad about looking, and I would mm-hmm. always look. Sometimes I would see things that were like, "He didn't cry, but he'll figure it out. He's great." And I was like, "Okay, but I I want to. You know, I re- I really want mm-hmm. to." And it felt like I had to. Uh, I, there was never any pressure put on me from the directing team, which is something I so value. Um, right. But. Um, I figured that out. I think the, I think the biggest thing in terms of the character and the performance was simplicity and finding simplicity. And, and I would never think or have thought that I would be able to describe my performance as simple. I thought that mm-hmm. it was something I had to work so hard at every night and work really, really hard to express all of this anxiety and, and do all this stuff with my body. That was the like, kicks. Oh my God, it's amazing. Yeah. Um, and I, I had that certainly, but I think um finding, that I could just sort of be myself in it and that, that, you know, I am an anxious person, you know, what you're looking at, this is a representation of anxiety. So, so I didn't have to work really hard to show you how anxious he is. You get it. You know, I Mm -hmm. I don't have to work really hard to show you how sad he is. You get it. Um, All these things that just realizing I didn't have to work so hard outwardly. I I had to do the work um, that I had to focus on the work inside that I was already doing, but I I just didn't have to show you so much, which was a huge gift to learn as an actor. And and that's the biggest thing that I'll take with me. Definitely.
0: Did you, well, let me ask you, how, how did you cry? What, what did you figure out?
1: Um, I think I just became more and more invested in the story every night. Genuinely, Mm -hmm. I I can and can't cry on command. I'm not that Mm -hmm. reliable with crying on command. So I had about eight points in the show that I would maybe cry in and I'd hit about four every night. And they'd be different every night, whichever ones they were. But a lot of them were ones that I found myself, not even on purpose, just because I'd be, you know, listening to Alex sing this song or Lisa sing this song and and get emotional. And and yeah. I would get off stage and be like, that's interesting. I think that's that's something I can do. So it's it's actually funny and and something that I really think about and carry with me. Ivan Hernandez, who who replaced Michael Park is a genius. And um, I, uh, I started crying during the number disappear, which I, as far as I know isn't something any of the Evans before me have ever done. It's just because I got emotional. And we were discussing it one day, how I did that and somebody else didn't do that or whatever. And Ivan said, oh, well, it doesn't make sense if he doesn't do that. And it was so funny that that was just something I that happened. you know, And, and it added this whole other component to the story. So every night where I cried or whether I cried, changed the story completely in different ways. And that was so special to have that sort of organic thing every night of, of where am I going to get emotional tonight?
0: And to have such a long run and to live with something for so long that just like life, you know, you don't, I don't know why I'm thinking about this, but in Judaism, there's a tradition of sitting Shiva after somebody mm-hmm. passes and yeah. and for a week and and every night of that experience is completely different, even yeah. though it's Shiva, mm-hmm. so there are nights where you don't cry at all when people come and talk about your loved one with you, yeah. and there are nights where you do and completely. they're right like you have all of these different emotional experiences while you're in mourning publicly, let's say mm, exactly is what that which is what that is, and 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 how all of it through all of it, you're in mourning. Mm-hmm. Like that's just what's happening. And I think the context of Dear Evan Hansen is this person um, getting through this unbelievable weave of lies yeah that he is oh woven into this incredible spider web that actually brings great joy to people at the same time the way spider webs do they're incredibly beautiful and mm. then eventually you're like i gotta take that down
1: yeah I gotta yeah. rip that that's, down. yes that's completely
0: right um i actually did get to see uh on the internet i haven't seen your your earlier performances and based on your feeling i will not look for it because i feel like it doesn't make you feel good but thank you very much of course but i did see your final performance oh wow um, i haven't seen that uh, yeah well it's your it's your bows it's oh, your saying nice. goodbye and passing on the the evan Oof, polo shirt
1: that was special um,
0: one of my favorite things is just to watch the final curtain calls of people shows. I just yeah. think it's the greatest thing and um do you remember that?
1: I do. Um I was a complete wreck all of day. Of course. And I really wasn't expecting to be because I'm I'm I cry so hard at movies and not that hard at life things. Mm-hmm. Um, so I really wasn't expecting to be a wreck, but from the moment I woke up, I was a wreck because it was a long year. You know, I, I also lost my mom uh, during during the year while I was in Dearborn Hanson. She passed in in August. So this cast that I was with redefined family for me. So mm-hmm. so so wow. being there that day and you know Alex and I got to leave together, which is a bond that will never ever right. Lose. Um, being there that day and, and looking at all of them and saying goodbye, you know, ish, of course, I was going to stay in touch and see them all. Right. Um, was really, really emotional. And also just saying goodbye to Evan, who to me at that point was a fully formed human being who I knew very, very, very well. And he was like my best friend. So that was a really difficult but beautiful day to feel the applause hit me when when I opened the computer and and track from from how different it was from our first show because wow. my first show that applause you know they they applaud when I open the computer and I just let them do it and I was like oh my god oh my god oh my god and then I waited and then I hit the button my last show they do it and I was like all right we got to get on with this and I hit the button uh to stop to really fast the model. like not yeah. not super fast but yeah. quick enough that I was like I have control over this I have control yeah. over the audience I have control over my performance I have control over the stage um it was bizarre
0: were there um pranks? Like did you ever open up your computer and someone had left you a weird note? Like did you guys behave in that way as once you were solid in
1: it? Uh, absolutely. Sky Lakota Lynch. So so the opening computer isn't a real computer. it's it has like uh, an LED light thing to have the most amount of light possible on on my face. Insincerely me though, that is a real computer that Sky, Lakota Lynch or whoever is playing Jared or Jared Goldsmith at the end of my run is also brilliant. Uh, is typing on, is really typing on. And so he would write a message to me at, at <laughs> the beginning of the, and, and break me, he would try to break me every night. And right. He, he would not away. play fair. Right. Oh no, not at all. Yeah. He was, he was, he's the best. He's one of my best friends, but um, yeah, he would, he would. And, and sometimes I think Jared used to write limericks while he was doing it. Uh-huh. It was very funny.
0: <laughs> I don't want to harp on this, but, but. The idea that you are having this incredible, like Olympic moment, right? Like you yeah. win the gold <laughs> and you lose your mom mm-hmm. in the same experience. Yeah. Um, that is so complicated. Yes, it is. And uh, the idea that you at 16 or 17 were handling both of those things, um, well, sort of makes you like now I know a superhero in oh, person.
1: That's very nice. I I, I can't say that much all i know is that i i all i wanted to do was get back to the show i remember Mm -hmm. because we did sit shiva and and the cast came and stacy Mintage came and it was very 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 lovely and and uh stacy i was just like please i want to come back Mm
0: -hmm. and she was
1: like i'm not letting you come back for another week and then you can come back but i'm not letting you come back right away um right because she she became family as well so she she sort of was there for this whole process but um, yeah, all I wanted to do was, was get back onto the stage. I hated being away from it. Um, yeah. So yeah, it was, it was, I mean, it was, it was horrible. It was, it was a horrible, horrible thing, but I think, you know, what, what with all of this, with the anti-stage run, with all this, what my mom taught me and all of us to do is see the good in everything. So that's, that's what I, that's what I did with all of this is, is I wow. focused as much as I could on the positives.
0: So were you a senior in high school when you were doing the show?
1: I, by the end. Yeah. I started as a junior and then, and then I became a senior while I was doing the show.
0: Okay. So while you're doing this and we've just, you know, discussed like what an intensely emotional, hard thing. You're losing a parent. You're also applying to colleges. (laughs) Yeah. Let's just, by the way, let's just put a pin in that. Um, (laughs) I have a daughter. She's seventeen. She's a senior. We're we're doing that process, oh or we God. just are on the other side of of early action uh, applications. And so you apply to Harvard.
1: I did, yes, among
0: other schools. <laughs> yes, um, I assume. And and you got into.
1: Yeah, I got in. I got into Harvard. I'm. I'm yeah, going to Harvard.
0: <laughs> yeah. So there's that. What did you write your college essay about?
1: I. We all agreed that it would be the biggest like power move ever if I didn't write it about Dear Evan Hansen, so I didn't. You uh, didn't. I did not. I wrote okay. it about. So here's the other piece of this: is okay. that my mom was a college admissions counselor. So wow. So I was working on this. Long the before time I, when I you had were even Beauty
0: and the Beast yeah. when you were three. <laughs> <laughs> I,
1: I was working on getting into college long before I was doing David Hansen, But obviously, okay. I had to finish all my stuff after she passed. Um, but uh. but um, we, I wrote my essay on a production of the last five years that I did right before it was announced that I literally it was announced that I was playing Evan the day after we closed. Um, and okay. I we I, we did it at my theater company, um, so I I directed it and I was in it. And what we did was we um, switched the actors playing the roles every night, regardless of gender identity. Um, so you had a um, man and a woman, a woman and a man, two men and two women telling the story of the last five years. And it shattered everything that I knew about theater and about gender and and all these things. So I, I wrote my essay on, on that experience.
0: That's really incredible. Um, if you were talking to other young people about the college admissions process
1: um
0: what is the one forget forget getting on broadway sure. what is the one piece of advice you would share now that you're on the other side of that
1: um you have to represent yourself i, th- I think I, I think it's so much of it is the same you have to use the same mentality going into auditions as you are with the college admissions process. And that, that is the same thing because a lot of people are auditioning for conservatories and stuff. Um, But uh, I think you have to bring yourself to the table and not pretend to be someone that you're not. Um, and because you have to end up at the right place, not at the best place. You have to end up at the right place for you. Mm. Um, like one of the questions on some application was who would you want to have dinner with uh, dead or alive or, you know, that kind of question. My right. answer was legendary Imagineer Rolly Crump uh, uh, from, right. <laughs> from Walt Disney World. You know, Duh. I, I was I just freaking <laughs> myself <laughs> To, right. to all of it as much as I could, um, instead of embellishing or, or pretending and, and that's- Or
0: trying to guess what they would think was a great answer. Yeah, because
1: you don't know. I, I, so much of it is you're going to find the, they need you as much as you need them in right. so many cases. Right. So, so, you know, you have to be, it's the same thing as auditions. You have to just be the solution to their, to their problem. And if you're not the solution to their problem, you'll be the solution to another problem.
0: Right. And- did you defer? What did you decide to do? I
1: did indeed. I did take a gap year. Um, okay, which is what I am currently uh, amidst. Uh, because and I just so, how
0: are you? How are you handling quarantine now? It's less quarantine, but we'll be going back to more quarantine. Yeah. Sort of. How are you handling this time creatively?
1: Yeah, we've been we've been pretty much on lockdown. This whole time, uh, I've been able to see friends like socially distant and stuff. But my uncle is 80 years old, so uh, we were not right. letting anything come into this house. So, right. so it's been tough. Um, but I- I'm now now know I'm a very 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 social person, so this is obviously difficult, but difficult. Um, but I now know what I do when I don't have access to that social thing, and the answer is I work on a million different crazy weird. Um, projects so we made broadway jackbox we made broadway Who Done It. this other thing that we did um i just made a, a halloween concert special that we put out um we did um we did a, a big 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 concert with my company in june uh so we've been doing a lot of different stuff mostly to keep myself distracted but thus hopefully keeping other people, people the happy and entertained distracted. yeah yes. that's been and my and goal.
0: You're employing people. You're giving them things people. to do. It's incredible. It feels
1: so great to be doing that.
0: Well, was there a part of you or your family discussions about not going to college um, and continuing before you knew there was going to be a pandemic and uh, Broadway was going yeah. to go away for a while? Um, were you deferring so you could keep working? Or did you defer because of the pandemic?
1: Uh, I deferred because of the pandemic, definitely. Um, there okay. was there was never any discussion of my not going to college or not finishing college. And especially, you know, that was such a huge thing for my mom that especially now that's like a large part of what I feel is like my debt to her mm-hmm. in a way. Mm-hmm. Um but even before then, I think that was such a huge, huge thing. And my mom and I would always fight because I wanted to do a conservatory and she wanted me to get a liberal arts education. And she won in the end because I ended up being at a conservatory pretty much anyway, uh, in doing Dear Evan Hansen. So I was like, yeah, I, I do want some normalcy here. Um, but yeah, no, that's, that's, that's definitely something I'm going to do, even if it takes me a while because I'm working, you know, God willing. Uh, but, um, I'm going to finish and graduate from college with a degree. And that is something that is indisputable.
0: And do you know what you want to major in?
1: I do want to major in. There's a major at uh, Harvard called Theater, Dance, and Media. And um, it allows you to... You, there's classes in everything, around, in and around theater. Acting, directing, writing, puppeteering, design, improv, everything. So that's that's exactly what I want to be doing. And that's why I wanted... That's, that's what made me fall so in love with Harvard is when I found out about this program and it has everything you could want out of theater. And I'm like, I want to do as much as I can. I want to get my hands on as much as I can. So, so that's, that's the plan.
0: All right. Uh, Mr. Feldman, before I let you go, is there a little known fact about you that you can share?
1: Okay. I, I, I've been thinking about this and <laughs> I have to shout out my good friend Sadie Sealer because I asked her to come up with one for me and she did remind me of this. Um, we're tying it back to my bar mitzvah. This is a very good idea. Thank you, Sadie. This is true. My bar mitzvah theme was Andrew the Musical. Uh, so it was all of the centerpieces were um, pictures of me in shows and then like just pictures of those shows and they were beautiful. Or if it was a show that I wasn't in that I wish I was, they would photoshop my face onto a picture. So it would be like Rent and Avenue Q. It would be my tiny 13 year old face photoshopped onto John Tartaglia's like ripped body um, in that show. Uh, So that was what it was. And then there was this montage where, that I made, where I did, um, I wrote a song for the opening. Like I wrote an opening number that I performed and my family friends still like always talk about it because it was very, very dumb and silly. And then it was just videos of me in show. So it was all musical themed, Andrew the Musical. And now uh, my mom was like, you know, what would be a good idea? Let's tear apart all of these centerpieces and put them all over the walls of our basement. So our, my basement it is a shrine to me now uh, as of a few years ago. Uh, and it's pretty horrible. Uh, and now <laughs> that so many of my friends are going off to college, uh, yeah. They've been taking stuff off of the walls and hanging uh-huh. it in their dorm rooms, like That's little, so
0: awesome. like a
1: picture of me in sixth grade as Nathan Detroit is now <laughs> hanging in a dorm room at like Emerson. It's very, very, very funny.
0: <laughs> Andrew, you are, are you real? <laughs> Thank you very yes much. Or no.
1: Okay. <laughs> I, I, yes, as I, far as I'm concerned.
0: You are such an extraordinary person. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I'm so glad we made this happen. Thank you so
1: much for having me.
0: I'm thrilled. Clouds can make the wind blow. The Little Known Facts theme song was written and performed by Georgia Famosa with backup vocals by Caleb Famusa. and episodes are recorded in New York City and edited by Nicholas Clark.